It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone. I'm Carmen Herbert, and welcome to Doing Good. On today's podcast, I am going to be talking with Mel from Mel's Kitchen Cafe. If you have not tried any of her amazing recipes, you are living under a rock because she has the most incredible recipes that she posts. Besides that, she's just an awesome person, posts funny things about her life, living in Idaho with her kids and chickens and calves and pigs and It's so fun to follow her. So Mel, thank you so much for coming on Doing Good today. Thanks, Carmen. I'm excited. Okay, so for those of you who don't know Mel, she has been posting her favorite tried and true recipes on her food blog, Mel's Kitchen Cafe, since 2008, where she finds tremendous joy in making other people, real or virtual friends, happy through crazy, delicious, amazing food. I can vouch for that. All true. All these years and millions, yes, millions of readers later, Mel's motives for food blogging haven't changed. She simply wants to share the best of the best recipes so anyone and everyone, herself included, can feel like a total rock star in the kitchen. Mel lives in Southwest Idaho by way of Minnesota and Wisconsin and Utah with her husband and five kids, plus, okay, 21 chickens, one foster horse, five cows, two baby calves. Okay, four, I don't even know how to say this, Coon coon pigs? Cooney cooney pigs. Cooney cooney? I don't, what's a cooney cooney pig? They, Carmen, they're like the most amazing pigs in the whole universe. We don't Tell me. My husband will say, don't get her started about talking about the pigs. You won't talk about anything else. <laughs> I need to know about these pigs. Okay, so tell me about this. Four cooney cooney pigs, two miniature donkeys, one dog, one bearded dragon, one adorable kitten, and a swarm of honeybees. It's chaotic, dirty, fun most of the time. Okay, Mel. So I have to ask you now about the Cooney Cooney pigs. Why are they the best? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Let's see. And let me try to be succinct here because really I could go on all day. They are, they're cute little pigs. They're adorable, first of all. But in terms of like pig breeds, they only get to be about half the size of like those ginormous meat hogs that you might. Okay. Yeah. Or people seeing meat hogs around if they're not just think of like a ginormous meat hog and they are um they are a breed that eats your pasture so they don't wallow as much they don't root as much they're not like this you think of pigs as being like dirty and muddy and they're not like that. they're super clean they don't stink and they are so friendly you can teach them tricks and they won't matches and I have this other little like side Instagram account that's called Mel's Faux Farm because we are just faking it. We are totally like fake it till you make it. And I post pictures of the pigs and I have had people comment and say things like with everything that's going on chaotic in the world, like your pigs bring me a lot of mental happiness. And I'm like, I know, like I go out to the pig pasture almost every night. I sit on a bench, I scratch pig bellies and I'm like, oh, I can do another day. Like life is good. So. No, Mel. How did yeah. I not even it's know this? So okay, it's called Mel's So Farm. Mel's Faux Farm, like you know, fake uh, it. Yes. Like, faux farm. Okay, yeah. okay. I need to check this out and it's look really, at these pigs. It's a very small account. It's really just for like my own happiness because I have loved having these animals, and really, my husband and I say to each other all the time, "We are faking it. Like we have no idea what we're doing." Like. Two of our our cows right now, these two heifers, a bull broke into our pasture and they are now with world. And so they're going to have these calves, which is great and so amazing, but we don't know what we're doing. And I said to my husband the other day, like, at some point, is someone going to have to don like an elbow length glove and like go in and like check on these calves? Because it's so... <laughs> not me like I did not sign up for that and I would have to YouTube every minute of it so it seems like we really know what we're doing we absolutely do not know what we're doing we're just that is that is hilarious that's how I am with most things in life my mom in fact that was her favorite thing growing up take it till you make it take it till you make it we're all just faking it but do you know what how amazing I don't know if you know Liz and Lizzie the food nanny bloggers we just had a calf or yes Fanny their cow just had a cat so and they now make have the most delicious milk and butter. So look what you get to look forward yeah, to. Well, fresh the difference, milk. Carmen, listen, the difference is like the food nanny, their account is very beautiful and curated and 
like they're making milk and cream and butter. Like my farm account is like showing you all of the like donkey manure and the real life of like farming. And honestly, largely why we do it is to give our kids a chance to work because you know, we want them to have these work opportunities. And so some of it isn't like as glamorous as I wish it was. It's as, a it, as, as the Instagram, as some Instagram show. Yeah, okay, it's, not, so, it's probably not even Instagram worthy, but But you know what? I That's what so many people love about you is that you are so down to earth and real and authentic. And you post pictures of you falling asleep in your chair or like the most recent one, like trying to climb over a fence at family pictures. That was it's not just, so glamorous either. That is, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I love so much is that it's, it's totally real because it's totally all of us. It's, it's not in any way. It's beautiful, but it, like you said, it's fun, messy, dirty. It's all of it. It's real. So, <laughs> so tell me about why you, um, you said you, you grew up in by way of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Have Did you have a farm growing up too? Or is this a new adventure for you and your husband? Yeah, this is pretty new. I actually grew up in Texas and Montana, like when I was a kid. And then since oh. we married, my husband and I have moved around the Midwest, we spent a lot of our years, um, the first probably 15 years raising our kids, 10 to 15 years in the Midwest. And then we came out here when we were in Minnesota, we had 17 acres, but um, if anyone has ever been in Minnesota, we lived like 10 minutes from the Canadian border. So I kid you not, winter lasted like 10 and a half months of the year. Like it's it was forever. insane. I, I've never experienced weather like this. And it was just eye-opening to say the least. So our 17 acres there never really transformed into anything productive. Now, I know a lot of people in Minnesota, they have animals. They're going to be rolling their eyes at me because they're like, Mel, that's just like... <laughs> And we all exist, but I spent two years being so traumatized by the amount of snow and the amount of cold that we never could functionally do anything. So then we moved here. And when we moved here to Idaho, um, that's when we were kind of like, oh, our kids are getting older. They can actually help with things. And so we just kind of sought out some property and kind of started, you know, we started small. We didn't launch into all of this chaotic uh, animal kingdom. We started with chickens and then just kind of slowly grew onto that. Chickens are like the gateway drug. I feel like they so far. Like, they're dangerous. You better know what you're getting yourself into if you get chickens. You're going to end you up chickens. and say, who am I and how did I get here? That's what will happen. I, seriously, everyone's like, well, we're just going to buy chickens. And then they have bees, chickens no, and bees. Okay. And then they get a cow and then they get the horses. It's like, you are farmers now. No. But chickens are like the catalyst. Like you get chickens, you're going down that slope. Yep, that is a lot. So, everyone should know. That's what, that's just be just, if you want to get chickens, just, you might have to be prepared for all the other stuff. Yeah. But I love that, that your kids help out and you post pictures of them on the farm, helping out and doing chores. And like you said, cleaning up manure and all that stuff. Yeah. I We got a dog for that same purpose. We have one dog. She's going to have puppies in a couple months, hopefully. Oh, wow. And that was kind of our thinking is we want our kids to take care of something besides themselves okay. to learn how to care for a living being and clean up after them and help sell them. And, and the, the, the purpose is we want to, them to raise money for, I have four boys. So hopefully mission someday or college yeah, to help, yeah. you know, start raising their, own, making their own money. Um, and so we're going to have puppies, like hopefully in a little bit, but that was our same thinking. Let's get them working. So have you found that it's made a difference in your kids with their spending time on social media or playing video games? Cause you're like, Oh, did you, did you get the eggs from the chickens today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely think my kids um, have, I would call them opportunities. They would call it slave labor, but they definitely have these opportunities <laughs> have to be required to take care of something. So I think the interesting thing about them taking care of an animal versus like mowing the lawn, which they do and is really important, is that the animals are dependent on them for their needs. So like yeah. um, now that school has started somewhat, we're kind of in this hybrid plan. My kids can't go off to school without making sure the, all the animals are fed because I mean, granted I'm here, but I, my expectation with them is that you have to do these jobs. And so an animal, it can't go the whole day without water. It can't go the whole day without food. And I think they've, they've started to see the importance of that. There are days where I want to just shake them. Cause I'm like, they still forget. And I, and I get they're young and I have to meet them where they're at. But my, my kids definitely spend 
quite a bit of their time outside. They're normal kids. You know, they still, you know, play the Nintendo when I let them. But, but yeah. the difference is that they're there's all these other things like on the periphery of their mind of like what they have to take care of. My teenagers know they can't go be with friends until their outside jobs are taken care of. And sometimes like when the electric fence is down and I am at risk of cows escaping the pasture and I don't want to go chase them down, they can't go anywhere until they've walked the electric fence line and taken care of that. So it's, it's definitely a lot of responsibility. It is not glamorous. My kids and I love them. They, they, will probably listen to this but you know they they complain about it they i think they have said things like we didn't choose this this was you you and dad <laughs> we have to do this but but ultimately i think they're grateful to be where we're at you know just even for them to have you know 25 acres to go ride the four-wheeler around do you know oh, what I mean? yeah they get the fun side with the work side so i don't feel too bad don't feel bad for my kids <laughs> they know right they're great. No, I feel like that's how it is with with all things that matter in life. There's it, it, there's hard work that that goes along with it. And so I think when they're older especially they'll look back and be like, "Oh my goodness, what yeah. an amazing and and sweet and idyllic life." Like so there's something I think that is so sweet working with animals that are so innocent, like you said, so dependent yeah. on you. It just it makes you a more compassionate person too. I hope so. Yeah, we we feel so blessed to be where we're at, especially where it, it took us a while. You know, it took us 16 years to kind of be able to develop this lifestyle, and um, it, it comes with a lot of sacrifice, which sounds weird. I mean, I feel we feel so blessed to be able to have the property that we do, but yeah. largely, like we're the family on weekends when a lot of other families are taking vacations and going boating and going camping. And we try to fit in a little bit of that, but our responsibilities here really tie us down. And um, we are, we're home a lot, taking care of what we've chosen, what we've created. But my kids will tell you our motto is, they hate this motto, but our motto has always been work before play. But as parents, what's been really important for Brian and I, and we've had to make an intentional effort to actually play because it's so easy to just get caught up in the work. There's always something to do. There's always a project. So we always sure. say work on Saturday mornings, okay, work before play, work before play. We've gotten to some Saturday nights where it's like the play never happened. And our kids look at us like you are the biggest liars <laughs> in the world. So we've had we to never play. <laughs> right. So we've had to make kind of an intentional effort, even just something simple like we have this this funny little hand painted pickleball court on our front asphalt that we painted last year. Sometimes it's just like getting out there for a family game of pickleball, but something that lets them realize that we do value their efforts and we'll take a break to play. But anyway, it's it's an interesting lifestyle. We are we are definitely faking most of it, but I'm so grateful, so, so grateful for the chance it has for my kids to learn some of these life lessons that would be hard for me to teach otherwise. So I'm grateful Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. Well, and it all comes back to the family and each family has their own unique dynamic and each of us have kids that need to learn different things and some of that's in city life and doing yeah, things exactly. and, and some of it's on the farm. And I yeah. think that, I don't know, I've, I've often thought that oh, in another life, in another life, I would, I would want to do that. I grew up in, so I grew up in Canada. I was born in Canada. So I know what you mean, but we go there every year and we visit my family there in Calgary and high river mm-hmm. in Alberta. And it is the winters are like you said, 10 months long, like it's so cold, but they, they were farmers. My dad grew up on a farm. Um, so he always tells my kids stories about, you know, trying to get the pigs into the trailer and doing the hay and all the kind of stuff. And he is the hardest worker. He's, he's a doctor now, a physician. And he's like, I attribute most of my success a lot of my success from the hard work I learned when I was a child yeah. on the farm in Canada. It was the same thing. He's like, I had to wake up at four in the morning in the dead cold. Like you guys don't understand Utah weather is, I don't, yeah, it's called Canadian yeah. weather. It's I a mean, different level of coldness. It's it like really freeze is. your teeth off. My mom said I went to get into the car one morning to take you to, you know, school or whatever. My, my older sister and the handle broke off on the car. It had frozen I solid and just, Uh, It was like minus 15. I mean, it was so cold, (laughs) freezing cold. So anyway, I I think that that's awesome. So you you have your... I have to say, I, I by no means think that you have to raise children on property in order to teach them to work. Right. 
friends, we have friends that have, you know, a lot of kids in their family and then some smaller families and they live in these beautiful subdivisions and they are some of the hard work, hard, most hardworking kids I know. And I, and I think that, I think it's all about the intention of parents, you know, like Absolutely. if that's a priority to teach, you can find ways to teach it. Sometimes it's just finding more ways to go out and serve other people. And I, I so admire those families I know that um, are teaching their kids hard work. I, I feel like for us, we've been given this blessing and it's, it's, Amazing. But I have to be honest, there are days that I think I actually feel like the opposite is happening. Like we are so focused on like teaching our kids hard work and and teaching them work ethic. And I feel like we're ruining them to the point that if and when they do launch, which please pray they do launch, if and when they launch, they're going to go off and like, like, play video games on a couch for two years straight because they are going to be so resentful of the life that we created for them. No way. No way. We don't really know what our kids are going to do, right? Like we try right. to give them opportunities. We, I think it's it's all about like bloom where you're planted. Like take whatever environment you have and do yes. your best as a parent. And then honestly, at the end of the day, I'm going to throw up my hands and be like, I did the best I could with you. And if you do not have a successful life, do not blame it on me. That's For sure. I think that's what that's only what we can do as parents is we do do the best that we can with the situation that we're in and it, with the, with, where we live, how many kids we have. Yeah, um, it's so different. So, it's it's so, so different. Yeah. Yes. And, but I, I completely agree that, that every child can be set up for success. Um, with, it just starts with you loving them. Like that's the most important thing is um, yeah. my, I, I, I talked to one of my friends the other day, who's a life coach and she was giving me all this advice. I'm like, please help me. Please help me make decisions in my life. Cause I don't know how to do that. And she said, are your kids loved? Are they learning and are they safe? And she said, those are really just the most important things. Do they feel loved? Are they learning? Are you giving them opportunities for growth? Whether it's puppies, chickens, whatever. Or yes. And are they safe? Are they safe? Are they in a safe environment? She's like, that's really what kids need to thrive. And then everything else is icing on the cake. And I would add to that is along with feeling loved is, is do they know heavenly father and Jesus Christ and do they feel their love? Yeah. And, and really, truly, if, if you have those things, she's like, they'll be set up for success in life. So I think that whatever our situations are as parents, we do the best we can. And then that'll be the scariest day in the world to say, now you get to go make the choices. It's going to be so hard. Good luck. It's Honestly, my biggest goal in life is that my kids don't go off to college and make like ramen and box mac and cheese every day. But my my 16 year old has already warned me that is exactly what's going to happen. So he's already said, Mom, you know, when I go to college, like I am only going to eat ramen like every day of my life. And I said, that will tear at my heartstrings like anything. And he was like, you will survive. I won't tell you about it. And I'm like, if I have done one, I, I feel like I will have failed as a mother. But it's all right. without all of the delicious hope. How can he even want to do that after growing up in your house with the most amazing food? So let's talk about that. How did you get into food blogging? Have you always loved cooking? Did you, how did you get into this? Have you just started, were you just making food and your kids or husband were like, you should really be posting these. Like, this is really amazing. You should share no, this with everyone. I am, like, I am a classic accidental food blogger. I, I started a food blog like 12 years ago, back before blogs were really even like a thing. I remember I started it and someone in my family, I think it was my mom was like, I was like, I started a blog. She's like, that sounds like a bad word. I'm like, I promise mom. it's like, People just didn't have them. I, it was such a right. different time. The internet just wasn't as huge and prevalent. And I mean, it was there, obviously it was only 12 years ago, but it just, yeah. so I started it. I was, um, just a young mom and I had these three little boys and I would eventually have one more boy and a girl, but I had these three kids and they were like three and under, and we had been moving around quite a bit. We moved around every 18 months to two years with our little family. And so my oh. husband's job was the priority and that was fine. I had worked at, from home for a while after we had started having kids with my college degree, which was like a health science degree. And I was working okay. in technical field, but we just decided I, I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And so I was at home with these kids sitting there most days thinking, what did I sign up for? Like, this is so hard. This is hard. And I was exhausted. And I just remember having this thought, like, find something 
um, to do that you can do outside of motherhood, but that still benefits your family in some way. So anyway, I just, um, I just decided my sisters and my mom, we all lived like all around the country. We didn't live in the same place. And so I thought, well, I had started to love to cook after I'd gotten married. I didn't really love it before. I mean, I did it and it was more like a necessity because I like to eat good food. But after I got married and started having kids, I really enjoyed it. So I just decided, hey, I'm going to start a blog and I'll throw these recipes up there. And then my mom and sisters can you know, look at them. It started so simply. And really, I, I thought I would fizzle out within a year just because I it just needed a phase. Like I needed to get over this hump of whatever I yeah. was dealing with, maybe a little depression. I think there was just a lot rolled up in there that I was like, get me over that hump of find something to do. And, um, and it never stopped. <laughs> so eventually my mom and sisters were cute and they would look at the recipes. I don't know that they ever really made them, but they made me feel good. And they, and I was literally like not even taking pictures at the beginning and then you know slowly into it I started to use this old point and shoot camera and the pictures were so terrible if you ever go back into my archives and look at like the very first recipe I ever posted it will traumatize you forever (laughs) but anyway a couple years in I noticed that um I was getting comments from other people and I was like this is weird like how would people have even found this because I was certainly not advertising it and wasn't even in it to make money or anything. Yeah. And so anyway, so it just kind of grew from there. I feel like every year has just been a new adventure with, you know, different traffic and more traffic and changing how I do things. And, um, but at the end of the day, honestly, 12 years later, I, I really truly can say my motives are still the same, which from the very first recipe I ever posted on there, which I thought was amazing. I don't even remember what it was. It was like some lemon cake, I think. It was life changing to me. And that's still my goal today is post recipes that literally could change someone's life, which I get a lot of eye rolling comments when I say that phrase on my blog. And they're like, don't be so dramatic, but really, truly like food really can change the world. I really feel it. I agree. Like coming together and eating family dinner. That's how it changes things. Or bonding with my teenager over making chocolate chip cookies for an activity together, something like that. So my motives are still the same. I just love, I love food and I love recipes that literally are so good. They just like leave you in this state of euphoria. That's that's to post those kind of recipes. And, and I love when you post a new recipe, and I, I read, you know, you have like a little like intro, like, let me introduce you to the most amazing creamy white chicken chili you've ever had in your life. And I love that it's, you are, you're like, no, I am not kidding. Listen to me. This will change your life. Really? And, and, yes. <laughs> and do you know what? It does. I was telling you before we started recording, I have several of your recipes that are in heavy rotation at our house. My son asks for the sweet and sour chicken, hands down, like once a week. That's his most favorite, the sweet and sour chicken. And then literally just this last week, I made your white Texas sheet cake for my niece's birthday. And I walked in, I have this big giant white, which it's like an, it's a white cake, but it's almond, it's almond flavoring. It's, it's Mm -hmm. amazing. You need to, you need to like, as soon as we're done with this, you need to go on and look up white Texas sheet cake. And I'm not kidding. My niece, I walked in and she's like, is that the white Texas sheet cake? And I said, yes. And they all cheered. And she brought her (laughs) boyfriend to family dinner. And she's like, you will die. This is the best cake you've ever had. Like, this is, they all, this is my husband's family. And that's what they always request. Whenever I say I'm bringing dessert, like, please make the almond sheet cake. That's their very favorite. And then the creamy white chicken chili, like I said, is amazing. Your pump, your carrot cake, the pumpkin spice bars. I mean, there's so, there's so many, I've, I, I have yet to try a recipe that I'm like, I didn't, that, what, that didn't turn out good. There may be some that my kids, honestly, and there may be some that, you know, maybe my kids, it's like fancier ingredients or whatever. And they like, you know, boring mac and cheese or whatever, but I've never tried a recipe that I'm like, eh, not like they're, they honestly are like tried and true. Like when you say, listen to me, I promise these are really good. Like you need to believe her (laughs) because you do. It's like people to drop what they're doing and listen to me just even better than how my kids listen to me because they don't listen to me. But like really, and, and that's the thing is like, it seems like very like, um, oh, what's the word? Like exaggerated and hyperbole and like to say everything's amazing. But I, I decided long ago in the blogging game that 
I feel like there's two ways to blog. You can play the Google SEO game, which is an amazing game to play because there's a lot of traffic to be had from that, which is focusing on what, you know, searching up keywords and focusing on what people want to see. Or you can uh-huh. play the, I'm going to post what I want and I don't care what Google thinks game. And that's the game I've decided to play because for me, it is so important to me that I post recipes that well, A, that I've tried multiple times that I yeah. that we love, that are tried and true, but that that honestly are so good that you so can good. Trust, basically that you can trust me, that I'm not just putting a recipe up there because, you know, that's what Google is telling me everyone's searching for. That's great. And it works for a lot of people, but that's not how I play the blogging game, because for me, it's important. I would rather build a loyal following of people that really trust me and say, Mel knows what yeah. she's talking about. Like if she puts we a do. recipe up, I'm going to drop what I do. And I always laugh. There's there's a couple people that when I post a recipe that they've made it that same day and they'll comment back, which I appreciate people commenting so much because it's kind of it's kind of like the payback in blogging, right? It's what keeps me going. Right. And so when people yes. say they've made it the same day, I literally am like, please, I will send you my firstborn child in gratitude. That just makes me <laughs> So happy. <laughs> so happy that people are willing to do that and willing to trust me that that they really believe that it will be amazing. And here's the deal: there's a lot of people that don't think my recipes are amazing, and I get a lot of hate mail. So, by no means do 100% of people that read my blog think my recipes are amazing. But I try really hard to post like the best of the best of the best. That's my goal. Norm- normal nice people will <laughs> all think that your recipes are amazing. Like I can't even. First of all, sending hate mail is not cool ever to anyone it's not cool and and it unfortunately it it does and that's that's the business of putting yourself out there and doing something good and I always say when you're doing something good there's more opposition because you're you are doing something so good and and I agree with you I think that food can be life-changing especially when it because because it brings people together that's what food does it brings people together it makes you pause from the world for a minute it makes you just enjoy something. And I truly believe that when something is made with love, that love is infused into the food and people can feel that. Like, you know, that silly saying, like made with love. Literally, I believe that. Like well, when I, a mother I food is a love language. I, I really do. Yes. And I think we have to be respectful. There's some people that, you know, I think in this, especially now with so many food allergies and stuff, sometimes it's food can cause anxiety for people. Yeah. And I, you have to be careful with that. But I also feel like that food really is a form of showing love. And when I think of all the family dinners I've made, so even outside of my blog, just just the food that I cook and create in my home with my family and my my kids and my husband, they, they help with the cooking too. But I take on a lot of that responsibility. I am doing that because I love them. That is why. Yes. I am making the effort because you know what, as much as I love food and as much as I love food blogging, I still hate making dinner sometimes for my family. It's the pits. It's the busiest time of the night. It's yep. crazy. And there's kids that need me, and there's pigs that need me and there's <laughs> so many things that need me. And it's not, it's not like there's no angels singing at my house when I'm making dinner. Let me just, right. but I do that because family dinner is important to me and because I love my family. So I really, when I say food is a love language, I really think that it is, it's a, it's a way that we show love. And if I think of the most impactful like memories I have of extended family and family, it's, it's revolves around food in some way, whether it's we're camping and it's the food or it's a family reunion. It's the food. It's just, it's a really unifying, unifying thing. It is. And my kids ask me every day, what are we having for dinner? What are we, it's like they want to prepare their minds. Like, what am I looking forward to? Well, and along with what you said with, with food intolerances and, and allergies, I have a son that has a serious peanut and cashew mm. pistachio allergy. So I unfortunately have never made any of your peanut butter recipes for anything, oh, but I'm, yeah. but someday I'm going to go like in my mom's oh, my kitchen and, and make all of them and eat them myself because <laughs> yeah. I can't have them. And, and I, I had done that before. I'm like, I'll just make a little something for me. And it's just, it's not worth it. And it makes him feel excluded and yeah, exactly. dangerous. And so I don't do that. But along with what you said, you actually do post a lot of allergy intolerant friendly recipes. Like you can go through your recipe index and find things that if people need rice instead of wheat, or if they 
if they need, you know, you can like there's quinoa recipes and, and fish recipes and meatless recipes. There's, there's something for everyone. It's not just, well, too bad if you have a gluten intolerance, you know, and it's not, yeah, you yeah. don't exclude everyone, but my, so I have a story that goes along with that. My, my sister and I were going to hang out one day and she said, I've been thinking about her name's Kaylin. I've been thinking about Kaylin all day. Maybe we should bring her dinner tonight. And it was the most random thought. And I was like, sure. And so what do I do? I pull up one of your meals and it was the quick and easy quinoa enchilada skillet meal. And I never made anything with quinoa before, but I just, I'm like, oh, that sounds so good. So I had made this and it made, it makes so much. Yeah. It makes a ton. And so I had made more than what I needed for our family. And I was like, well, maybe I'll bring some of that to Kaylin. So I actually texted her and I said, Hey, I, I have a bunch of food. Can I bring you dinner tonight? I know this is really random. Like maybe you don't want me to come over, but like, why are you bringing me food? I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything that was going on in her life. And she said, Oh my gosh. She said, my husband's actually out of town, but my mom is going to come down tonight and bring me dinner. So don't worry about it. That's so sweet of you to think of me. You know, I, I could have used the help, but my mom's actually coming. And I was like, okay, well, I just had a sneaky suspicion that I should anyway. And I'm like, I'm just going to bring it to her anyway. And she can put it in her freezer and and save it for another day. Yeah. So like an hour later, I show up on her porch with this quinoa enchilada skillet meal. And she opened the door and immediately started crying. And she said, I've had the hardest day. My mom just called and told me she can't come tonight. After all, mm-hmm. I have no groceries in my house. She had gallbladder problems that I did not know about at all. And she's like, I didn't want to cook anything. Nothing sounded good to me. And I was literally thinking, what am I going to do for dinner? And then here I show up at her house with this food. And and I said, well, I have to warn you. I I don't know if you've ever had quinoa, but I've never tried it. I I think it's going to be really good. And she stopped and she said, Carmen, she's like, the only food that doesn't upset my gallbladder right now is quinoa. Oh, my goodness. And so she like this most beautiful situation yeah. came from from one of your recipes. And it was it we both like wrote about it in our journals and talked to our husbands about it. I'm like this was the neatest experience of and it was really my little sister that had a prompting that she should bring her this meal. And it was kind of a meal. I'm like, I've never made this. I don't know how yeah. I don't know. But like I said, tried and true, it turned out great. She loved it. She was able to eat it. And that has been such a treasured memory for me. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I one of probably the most impactful posts I've ever done on my blog was about ministering through food. And I had had this prompting to talk about that on my blog. And I, I do occasional lifestyle posts, but I mean, my blog is largely focused on just like, you know, giving great recipes and whatever. But I had yes. put on there just this idea of like, what does ministering through food mean? And I talked exactly about this, which is I feel like food is more than just a recipe. It's more than just making something even for yourself. It is It is a really powerful tool, <clears throat> excuse me, to bring people together. And I, I literally like just bawled my way through the comments when I remember thinking, and it's been a couple years since I did the post, but the comments on that post were some of literally the most impactful experiences of people who have been on both ends, the people who have been on the receiving end of someone who showed up unexpectedly, or it wasn't unexpected, but blessed their life with food. And then also being the one that has been able to provide that service, whether it was to their own family, whether it was to someone with food allergies. And I, I gained, and it's not even, I'm not even using this word facetiously, but I gained such a stronger testimony of how we can use things that are part of our daily life, like food, which is something that most of us are already incorporating in our daily life. That doesn't mean that you have to be making all your bread from scratch or, you know, canning all of your garden produce, but simply food on in whatever form, but using what we're already doing in our daily life to bless other people's lives. And it was just, it was was so amazing reading those comments. And it's really made me start to think in my life of how do I, how do I take it beyond food blogging and use food as a blessing? Do you know what I mean? Because I've really kind of struggled over the years a little bit of, am I putting my time 
and my talents where they need to be. For me, particularly food blogging takes a lot of time. And over the last probably seven or eight years, it's really basically kind of transformed into an unexpected but full-time job. And I've thought many times, and I I have to reevaluate all the time, and I have these talks with my husband, and I pray a lot about it because, you know, I was, you know, many, many years ago, my grandpa, you know, in a blessing basically said to me, and I have always remembered this, watch your surroundings carefully and focus on those things that will be of the most worth to you and your family and pursue those with all of your heart, my mind, and strength. So I have that in my mind all the time, right? It's something that I, I really try to govern my life by. And I sometimes feel this guilt a little bit that I spend so much time blogging. Like I'm not out curing cancer. I'm not out like you know, doing all of these things that that seem more important. But truly, when I read comments that come in, and it will make me emotional when I read comments that come in like that, or I read experiences from people that have been able to use one of the recipes, which I'm just like the tool, right? I'm just there putting the recipe. So you using that recipe for your friend, that was you, that was you following impressions and inspiration, but realizing that Maybe I am doing maybe I am doing a little good. Maybe I am doing more than just, you know, typing away behind my computer and scheduling social media posts. Like there's so much more to it than that. And I know it's not everything, but even a couple of years ago, I, I also felt really prompted to share on my food blog, which was not a popular thing, but to share about a skin cancer experience I had had. Yes. And I I tried to talk myself out of that like every which way. Like I, I just was like, no, it's not the, I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's going to get criticism. It doesn't fit in with the food blogging theme, all of this stuff. But I felt some very strong promptings to do it. So I just told my quick little skin cancer surgery and that I had skin cancer on my face. I had surgery. I posted pictures. I talked about it. And I have been, that was probably like three or four years ago. I have, I would say weekly, I have someone email me that said, I read your post And I also had the same little scab somewhere on my body and I went in and it was cancer. And I think there was a reason why I needed to share that. And it, and it made me feel vulnerable. I, I, I actually had some people tell me that my face looked ugly and that they would never post oh my goodness. out of themselves. And, that, and that's okay, right? You and I talked about this before the podcast started of learning to disconnect from some of those things that have no meaning. That has no meaning in my life for someone right. to say that to me, but it's hard. No. You know, but, but hearing that, but also getting the flip side of, I'm, I mean, Carmen, I'm not kidding. Hundreds of people have emailed me and said, because of your post, I went in and was able to catch cancer that could have gotten worse or, or spread worse, or I didn't even know what to look for, but I read that. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like I have tried to be really intentional about using my blog. Like it sounds weird, but like, I pray about my food blog. I know like people will probably roll their eyes at that, but not weird, not weird at all. because, Because for me, it takes up so much of my time that when I think of my grandfather's counsel of watch your surroundings carefully and pursue those things that have the most, you know, the, that have the most importance in your life, then I need to be praying about my blog. And there are times I post less because of it. And there's times I post more because of it, but it's a, it's a very intentional effort in my life, which, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that like the instant pot macaroni and cheese I'm going to post this week. Like I prayed over that, but I definitely pray about like the overall direction of what I'm taking because it is so important to me that if I can add value to the world, like help me know what that is. Do you know what I mean? And you do. And I have so many thoughts on, on, on what you shared. First of all, that, you know, we all have gifts and talents and abilities, and that is what you do. You have been sharing your testimony really through food and, and sharing all of the goodness that is Mel through food. And that is what you do. That's what Heavenly Father has blessed you with. That's, that's what you've decided to do for, for your, you know, I don't know, calling, life's purpose. Like that's what you have felt inclined to do and to share. And so I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we say, like, I'm just a singer. Like, what do I do? Like, I sing for people like that. And, and, and not even a lot now. And now I'm just a mom. I sing to my kids at night. Like, what does that do? How am I really 
changing the world through singing like well or this podcast who's listening to this i don't know you know like and we and and that's how satan gets us like this doesn't matter this is you know it does but the thing is is it doesn't matter if we're a brain surgeon if we're a singer if we're a food blogger we all have a purpose and a reason to share what what we're sharing and it you are doing so much good and along with that, I remember that skin cancer post. I remember seeing the picture of your incision that went from your forehead all the way down the side of your face. And because of that post, I changed my sunscreen. I was doing like the spray mm-hmm. and you talked about the zinc in particular, you know, sunscreen. Like this is what's most important for your face. This is what my dermatologist and what my doctor said. And I remember showing my husband and having a discussion with him about that cancer, about your skin cancer. I'm like, we need to be wearing hats. We need to be putting hats on our boys. It changed the way we played in the sun from from that post. So that impacted me too. And so I think that, you know, it's not, it, it is about food and it's, and it's wonderful and you're doing so much good, but it is so much more than that. It's, it's, we are connecting to each other and we're helping each other. And really this life is about just holding each other's hands and getting through it the best way we can, whether it's through sharing our talents of music, cooking, whatever. We're all just here to link arms together and to, and to help each other out and make this life wonderful and happy and positive because there's so many other negative, terrible things going on that sometimes a post about Oreo bars or a, a del- thinking, I'm going to make this fall soup tonight and, and all the memories that's going to bring and all of the wonderful smells and, and connection I'm going to have with my family. That is worth it. And that is good. Well, and I also think, I think in this world that we live in, which is like, everything has to be huge and the impact has to be huge and bigger is better seen by a million people. Does it even count? I thought a lot about that of that, you know, while my following is significant on my blog, truly, truly the most important work I am doing is in my home with these seven people who the result may not be like millions of people ever seeing that. But I think sometimes we get caught up in like, but it wasn't, it it didn't create that big of an impact, you know, whatever I did, whatever it was out in the community or wherever. And I think so much, even, even when I post things on my blog, you know what? So, so maybe it's not going to be the most popular post, or maybe it's not going to go viral, or maybe it's not going to be seen by millions of people, but I wanted to post that and it was important. And you know what, if it, if it created joy for one person that tried that recipe or whatever it is, or saw that post, or if I had posted the skin cancer thing, I really felt when I was felt prompted that it was just one person that needed to read it. And and one person that needed to read it, it would have been worth it. And I hear from moms a lot, um, both in like real life and virtually that they just don't feel like what they're doing really matters, or they don't have enough in their life that feels like it's really mattering. And I feel so strongly that it's like the small and simple things that matter. It's the small and simple things. And it doesn't have to be seen by thousands of people and it doesn't have to have this huge firework effect it is this it is literally i think the greatest things in our lives are made up with the small and simple efforts that sometimes and we may get to the end of our life and someone may never have noticed or known but it made us who we are and i and i i think that that's it's really important for me to feel that way even though i have this food blog to realize that's actually not what really matters in my life do you know what i mean Right. And, and that there's so much value that can be had from just kind of plugging along, to be honest, even though it's something totally. Really- I am nodding my head so hard at this. I could not agree with you more. It's it's one by one. The gospel of Jesus Christ has always been about the one, finding the one person, finding the lost sheep, the one reaching out to the one, blessing the one, our little families. That's all it's about and social media I think has ruined that for us in a lot of ways is I only got 42 likes I only got three comments I only have a thousand followers I really feel like social media is like the downfall of our whole culture and society if you want to know the truth because you know and it's not even with teenagers I feel like even with adults and I get caught up in it so I I don't want to be a hypocrite here but we get caught up in this feeling of that our whole like value and character and self-worth is caught up in 
what other people that we do not even know what they think of us and who's like her. And, and it's not, it is a, it is a, a very shallow and incorrect metric to rule our lives by, but we do it because and and so many of us do it. Do you know what I mean? On different levels, not just people that have, you know, sold their souls to Hollywood that do it. It's all of us that do it. We do it. And it's really hard to get away from that and to really disconnect and say, I am not a number, you know, I am not a number of likes or I'm not even reflect the reflection of like criticism is not me, you know, no, no, not not us. No, it's really hard to navigate this world with those, those kind of metrics in place. It totally is. And it totally doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many followers and how many likes and and everyone always says that and it's easier to say than for For we really need to work on yes, it it, and and I need to really let that sink in and, and internalize it because it doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter how many followers or likes or whatever. It, like one person, like our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, their opinion matters. Their approval matters. Our worth doesn't change depending on how many people are watching us. And in all reality, I don't want a million people watching me and criticizing me. And like, what are you doing? What are you saying? How are you living your life? I can't handle that. Oh, that would just my yeah. anxiety into overdrive. So I, I, I personally have a private account. I went public for a while and it was way too much for me. And I am not supposed to be doing the same thing that you are. And so you need to be reaching more people through your blog. You need to be doing that. And so, oh, Mel, if we can find a way that you just put those earplugs in and put those blinders on, like, don't listen. So don't I don't read. Really far, far away from blogging ever. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't pay attention to the negativity because you are doing too much good to let that sink in. I want to, I want to let all the negativity sink in because it's, it's like you said, it's, it's about changing people's lives for the better. And you are doing such an amazing job at that. And I don't need to tell you that. I know that, you know, I think that's such a beautiful blessing that your grandpa gave you. And I love that you can just, it's good to go back and remember those things. Like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Let's check myself. What's the important thing here? You know, am, am I, and I think it's important as women that, that we do that and evaluate. I do the same thing. I teach voice lessons and I'm like, man, this, this, you know, takes up a lot of time after school. And, um, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I ignoring my kids by having other kids come over? And I felt prompted to do that. And I just take, teach two days a week, like an hour after school. Like it's nothing. It's just the littlest thing. I have just like 20 little students. And I had a mom come up to me. The other day, we had an opportunity to go serve at the temple um, outside and weed. And she came up to me and she's like, I just have to tell you, you have changed my daughter's life. You've made such a difference. And it wasn't because I'm an amazing voice teacher. I'm not. It's just because I gave her a place where she felt safe to express herself. Yeah. And and she's like, her self-esteem has improved so much. And she was emotional. And so was I. And I'm like, that is why. For this one student that, that... that she feels happy now, like that is why I do it. So I think it's important to remember like those things, like, okay, this is important. And it's good to self-evaluate like, oh, if it is getting out of control or it starts becoming about making money or, you know, it has to to be about the right things. Otherwise it it can get out of control and it can get easy to, to, to let our priorities slip. And I I, I feel like it's just never too late to change course. Right. I, I, these periods in my life where I feel like, you know, through prayer, or whatever that I, I feel like, you know, I, you need to change some priorities. And I, and I immediately feel guilty. <clears throat> and I've learned that's not saying that what I was doing before was wrong. It's just saying that course corrections are always okay. Like they're always yes. okay. And honestly, like it's, it's, it's okay to change and it's never too late to change course. You know what I mean? Like right. is going to be in my life, you know, two decades down the road. I don't know. It may or it may not, but if it's not, it doesn't mean that all the time I spent doing it now was for not or no it's just that our lives take these patterns that are windy and messy and you know a little bit like uphill sometimes and it's okay to change course and i and i think that it's okay okay to ask the questions that we need to of ourselves and of our heavenly father to say where do you need me like where do you need me right now and it's okay if that's different than it was yesterday you know i totally agree with that i think it's so great to to be doing that and to recognize that it's okay like you said, to, and, and to be 
open to that. I mean, look, if this year has taught us anything in 2020, it's like nothing is sure, nothing is certain. Things are going to throw you for a loop. And now we're all home. And what? I'm a homeschool mom now. Okay, well, I'm changing this now. Basically said to me, keep your expectations low, Mel, because yes. you won't be disappointed. <laughs> exactly. Everything is going to happen. And, and, you know, it's been a crazy year. And, and my kids, I, I have to say, have learned to be way more adaptable. We had this big yeah. Disney trip planned. Oh, we're not doing that anymore. And, yeah. and to learn how to like, oh, disappointment is real and it happens. And how do we deal with that? And oh, not so healthy. Let's work on it. Let's work on how we deal with things. So I want to ask you one question before I let you go today. And I could talk to you for hours. This is so fun. Is your, for people that are like, well, I would love to cook more for my family. I would love, I, I see the benefit of it. I, I understand the, um, how this could really improve our family life by making healthy home cooked meals, but I am terrified. I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to burn it. And I have to say that I have never had a recipe not turn out of yours. I, other, I, I have before for sure, but of yours, like it's never like, oh wait, you said use a cup of flour and that was totally dry or, oh, this, this measurement was wrong. Everything always turns out. So for those people that are like, I'm so scared to start trying, I'm going to ruin it. Is your blog for the most elitist of cooks or can an amateur just sort of grab a recipe and say, okay, I'm going for it. Oh my heavens. I, I feel like I hope that I am writing to, Everyone and like anybody, I, I always think I, I hope that the tone of my blog, both with like the recipes and also the tone is like we are sitting at the kitchen counter talking about what we're going to make that week for dinner and how to make it work. And I, I do feel like there's some anxiety for people that maybe are wanting to get into a little bit more cooking or just recognize that, hey, family dinner is important. Maybe they hate cooking and it's okay to hate cooking and still realize like you got to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like the recipes on my blog are tailored to like so many levels. I there's a there's a handful of recipes, a very few that I would consider like in the advanced category. They're like the ultimate, like you'll feel like a rock star recipe, you know, um, maker. But I but ultimately like the recipes, I they are family friendly. I at the end of the day, the food that I make on my blog, I am making for my family. I'm not I'm yeah. not cooking off in a little corner and then they're eating something else for dinner. Like this is what I'm making for dinner. This is what we're eating. And so but we all have, yeah. yeah, hopefully it's a really approachable way to say family friendly food, you know, you know, cooking on a budget, whatever it is, I think you can find recipes that will work. And I really, really feel like if people are wanting to kind of start out on like the cooking for a family adventure or cooking for yourself, even if you live alone and you just want to cook more home cooked, just add in one meal a week. Like I, it's not like you have to cook a big meal every day of the week, but adding in one meal and eating the leftovers and you'll feel like a rock star and you'll want to do it again, really. Cause cooking is really fun. There's a sense of confidence that comes from making something so better than you can get at a restaurant that literally yeah. like there is no shame in being like, I am awesome like i am yep. a rock star like i am like like prance around your kitchen like you own the place because <laughs> you're awesome when you make food like that it feels good for the soul and for the confidence i'm telling you it's so true and my favorite honestly like some of my favorite compliments that my kids give me are you are the best cook and i'm yes. like that is like the best thing. Like you like something that I spent hours making and the worst on the flip side is right. I hate this. This yeah, is right. gross. Right. And so that it gives me the most confidence. And truly, honestly, if you haven't tried any of Mel's recipes, what she's saying is true. Like you will feel like a rock star in the kitchen. You just will. So try it out. Grab a recipe. You can go on melskitchencafe.com or your Instagram, which is Mel's Kitchen Cafe. Click on literally anything. Try it your life will be changed. We promise. Mel, thank you so much for taking the time to come on my podcast today and for all the good you are doing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside our Turtle House. Our Turtle House is a digital membership site with content your whole family will love. From exclusive full-length talks from some of your favorite speakers like Hank Smith, Meg Johnson, and John By the Way, to podcasts where they answer your questions. There's even daily devotionals made specifically for your teenagers. For more information or to get your first month for less than a dollar, go to ourturtlehouse.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.